this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So let me ask you a question. How would you define a rich life? Like, what are the measures? What, what are the categories that you say, if I have this in my life, then, then my life is rich, my life is good, my life is full. I, I, I'm sure for most of us, we'd kind of land in certain places. We would talk about our stuff, our finances. Uh, you know, if, if, if our finances are sorted out, if we, if we have enough, then, then that is part of a rich life. Or we look at our health, you know, having good health, that makes for a rich life. Or we would look to relationships. If we have good relationships with our family, with our friends, with our, with our neighbors, then, then that makes for a rich life. Some may look at accomplishments and say, yeah, that would be a rich life. But what about from the perspective of faith? What would Jesus say is a rich and satisfying life? Yeah, one of my great lines of Jesus comes from John 10.10 10, when he basically comes out and says, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. And so to take a bit of a step back, would Jesus use the same categories? If you're just joining us, we've been working on a series called Inspire. Uh, just, just, just how does our faith inspire us in the midst of life? So that faith is not just simply things we believe, but, but it actually shapes and influences how we behave. And so how do we pursue a rich life? Because one of the problems is that what if you're someone who doesn't have financial means? What if you're someone whose health is failing? What if you're someone who's in the midst of just some difficult relationships? Does, does that mean that Jesus can't fulfill a rich and meaningful life? in you. Today I want to talk about how does faith begin to give us a new perspective? Begin to look at how help us look at how a rich life is is something more than just the finances we have, the health we have, the accomplishments we have, but can be found in something entirely different. Put another way that that richness is not in what I get, but actually in what I'm able to give. If I were to say it in one word, it would be generosity. That, that when Jesus speaks of living a rich and satisfying life, one of the key components is that of generosity. I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but it's, it's actually this theme of generosity that, that, that we see throughout the entire Bible. I'm not going to go everywhere, but just going to land at three different places. The first one is the very beginning in Genesis chapter 12, verse 12. When, when God is creating his nation, the nation of Israel, he basically starts with one family, Abraham. And he basically says this to Abraham. He says, listen, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Basically, this, this element of generosity. And then you, then you jump into the New Testament. And at the very beginning, in John 3, 16, probably one of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible. If you go to a concert or a sporting events, you often see people throw it up on a, on a sign. And it essentially says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Again, the heartbeat of God is that of generosity. And then, and then in a moment, we're, we're going to see how, how in the early church, they too began to understand the importance of being 
generous. That as a follower of Jesus, if we truly want to live a rich and meaningful life, we need generosity. Because maybe some of you feel a bit of the, bit of the tension that, that you're not really wanting to admit out loud. But as you look at all the categories, you have a lot of accomplishments, you have enough money, you have fairly good relationships, and your health is not a problem. Yet something is missing. There's, there's not a richness in your life. Perhaps it could be this element of generosity, of, of understanding this, that, 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 that an abundant life, a satisfying life, a, a rich life is not in what we can get, but rather is in what we can give. And so I want to turn to the book of Acts today. And I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but, but the New Testament, the, the, the part where Jesus arrives on the scene, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. Those are, those are, that's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then immediately following that, we have the book of Acts. And the Acts is the next like four decades of the early church, of, of how the movement of Jesus begins. And very early on in the book of Acts, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we, we see some of the key components of the community of Jesus. And so let's, let's jump in, let's read it, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit together. Acts 2, beginning in verse 42, this is what we read. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. It's, it's right here that we begin to see just, just some of the key components. And, and clearly, these were, these were elements that they had learned, that they had seen in Jesus, that, 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 that they realized as being foundational as a follower of Jesus. They, they spent time in prayer. They spent time celebrating the Lord's Supper. They, they performed many incredible miracles. They, they learned and they, and they were taught by others. They hung out with one another. But then we're told a very specific detail, that an element of this community of Jesus was that they were generous. And, and it wasn't like just a once-off. You jump down two more, two more chapters, and in chapter 4, verse 32, this is what we continue to read. It says, all the believers were united in mind and heart, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Again, again, we see it just actually lived out, born into the very fabric of this Jesus movement, that, that they were individuals who were generous. Two things probably come to mind. The first one is you might be sitting there thinking, oh, great, great. We're going to hear another message on needing to give more money, right? Okay, hold me up. Listen up. I'm going to talk about finances in a moment, but, but that's not 
all that generosity entails. Generosity becomes all of life. It, it encompasses everything that we are. And so just, just give me a couple more moments. The second one is I'm sure all of us sit at a place of thinking, yeah, you know what? I love being around generous people. I wish I could be more generous. Generous. That's not the issue. You don't have to convince me that God wants me to be generous. The issue is in the implementing the generosity. Because there, there are so many things that can, that, can, that can call attention to our lives. So, so many needs. And, and so where do we begin? Like, like, how do we become more generous? And so that's where I want to land today. As, as looking at not, not, do you want to be more generous? But rather, how does it begin to impact our lives? Because I love the story of Barnabas. Like, this guy was so generous that they actually changed his name. They gave him the nickname. I mean, his name was Joseph. He, that was his original name. But he was so generous. He was such an encourager because of his generosity that they changed his name to Barnabas. I mean, don't we want to be like that? Don't, don't we want to be so generous in life that, that we are an encouragement to others? That is, I think, what Jesus is getting to. When he speaks of my purpose is coming to give you a rich and satisfying life. I, I want you to be people like I am, generous in all things. So let's land it. What, what does this begin to look like? I, I, I want to suggest two things. The, the first one is in order for us to become more generous, we need a new perspective. There's, there's that one line that we just read that says, they felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. This, this is a verse you can't kind of run through too quickly. It's like, wait a second, wait a second. The disciples, the, the early followers of Jesus, were able to be generous because they didn't kind of have this, what is mine is mine principle. But, but rather, they, they saw what they had as belonging to someone else. I mean, this is almost ingrained with us, within us, when from a very young age. I mean, do you ever see little kids playing? That that so often they'll be playing with a toy, and another child will come over, and they'll want to play the same toy. And the the child who's playing with the toy often wants to hold it and grab it and pull it away and be like, "Mine, mine!" Right? Let's be honest. I think oftentimes we don't outgrow this. The toys just become more expensive, and we become more subtle. Like. We have this mentality that oftentimes what prevents our generosity is our perspective of, of, of wanting to tightly hold on to the things that we have. The Bible speaks about being a, a steward, about, about recognizing everything that we have is ultimately a gift from God. This takes us all the way back again to, to Abraham when God says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Basically, Abraham, everything you see is what you're about to get is going to be a gift that I'm giving to you. Not that you can hold on to it and say, mine, mine, but rather so that you can be generous. You can be a blessing to others. And it's so amazing when you begin to see the generosity lived out in people's lives, in, in big ways, in, in small ways. Just, just this past week, I was invited out uh, with a couple in our church, and they were, they were so intrigued by, by the work that we were doing in Malawi that, that they gave a sizable donation. They're like, for the rest of our lives, for, for as long as we are living, we want to monthly give. Like, I, I wasn't expecting that. I was totally blown away. And one of the responses I always give to people when they give is, is thank you. This, this is such 
an encouragement. Or I think just a couple of days ago, uh, my son Isaac and my wife Rebecca were coming home from Toronto. And they got stuck in traffic and they drove through dinner hour and they got home and it was later on. I'm like, oh, you guys must be starving. And Rebecca's like, no, actually, Isaac bought me dinner. Like, I, I, I literally, I was like, what? what? Like, my 18-year-old son bought you dinner? Like, that's amazing. Like, as a parent, when I see the generosity of my kids, it just makes my heart leap. How much more so with God? When we have this perspective of, of realizing that the things we have are not our own, it enables us to be even more generous. It means that for us as a church, when, when, when we think of our building, when we think of our ministries, that, that, that we don't want to hold it tight-fisted, but we want to be open-handed so that others in our community can benefit. And maybe you're wondering why we always talk about being for Paris. It's, it's a reminder that we want to be for our communities so that we need, we want to be generous, so that we position ourselves in such a way that even if people don't agree with everything that we believe, they won't be able to deny the generosity of our people and of our church. But it begins with a new perspective of of recognizing that, that richness in life is not in what I get, but rather in what I can give. That that God can bless us in so many ways, financially, relationally, health-wise, with gifts, with abilities. But are we using it simply for our benefit or for the benefit of others? But the second thing I'd suggest is that in order to be generous, to to start to see this being woven into the fabric of your life, it's not just simply having this perspective or, or even desire to wanting to be more generous. We need intentional action. What I love about the passage we just read in the book of Acts was didn't just simply talk about how they were generous. They actually wrote down, pen to paper, one individual specifically who was generous. They they talked specifically about Barnabas, about about basically how, how he had a piece of property, he sold it, and then he gave it for the benefit of others. I think this is so true in our lives that, that, that we need to celebrate generosity, but we need to be intentional with how we are generous. To, to look for opportunities, to, to, to look at circumstances and, and situations as to how can I step out and be generous in this moment? Not, not just simply with our finances, but, but with our time, with, with our ability to serve others, with, which is how we treat and deal with one another. So what does it start to look like? As we wrap up today, I just want to give you a a bit of a mental image, something that I'm sure is helpful for me and hopefully will be helpful for you. When it comes to a generous life, when it comes to your life, do you live life with closed fists or open hands? For me, open hands is the posture of generosity. Close fist says, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to hold on and make sure I don't lose it at all. Open hands says, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to see what I have as an opportunity to benefit others. And so what if this week, what if this week you, you start to think about that and ask yourself the question, when it comes to my finances, am I close fisted or open handed? 
When it comes to my time or my resources, am I close-fisted or open-handed? When it comes to, to, to people and just people making mistakes or maybe showing up late or, or, or doing things that frustrate us, am I going to treat them with closed fists or open hands? You see, this begins to become the posture of generosity. I mean, as I think of Jesus, the one who, who ultimately came and gave his life for our sake, he was open-handed. He was, he was so generous in, 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 in all that he did that how does this begin to impact our life as well? I don't know where you are or, or, or where you're at in life, but I believe that if we truly want to live this rich and satisfying life, we begin to measure it not in what we have, but rather in what we're able to give away. That suddenly life is not about being close-fisted, but open-handed and beginning to see as God blesses us, how we can be a blessing to others. This week, this week, just I'm convinced of this. I am convinced of this, that there's going to be opportunities where you will have a decision to make in whatever it is to be generous or not, to be open-handed or close-fisted. And I'm willing to bet the more open-handed we are, the richer and more satisfying life will be. Because that is how Jesus has wired you and has wired me. Let's pray together. And I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to pray with my hands open, and this might seem weird to you, but just pray with your hands open as well so we take the posture of generosity. Let's pray together. And so, Lord God, as we come and we're reminded again of how generous you have been, how generous you continue to be, Lord Jesus, may we be generous. May, may we be individuals who, who live in such a way that, that we recognize everything that we have is ultimately a gift given to us from you. That God, as you have blessed us in various ways in life, that we would be a blessing to others. And so help us this week to be open-handed and not close-fisted. And in doing so, we, we will not only benefit others, but, but we will truly begin to live and experience this rich and satisfying life that you promise when we follow in your ways. For we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so now may the blessing, the grace, and the generosity of God be with you today and in all your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris. Our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. 
It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.